May peace be with you. If you stick around at the end, there's more information about our community and how to find us. And now, here's this week's Centering Scripture, followed by the sermon. Our scripture this morning is from Romans, chapter 12, verse 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Thank you. Please pray with me. Almighty and all gentle God, we are eager to hear your word to us. May the words of my mouth, the meditations in each of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. As I considered the invitation to be bridge pastor, it caused me to reflect on a course on my time here, 1995 to 2001, and then the intervening years, which have gone quickly, of course. And I thought of all the changes in uh, my life and all of the things I've learned and thought that some of them might be helpful for you. Uh, today is a kind of a smorgasbord. With any sermon, what I am hoping for you is that you get a nugget, or on a good day, two, that will help you in your own walk to be faithful. So here goes. I started, my rough draft had 14 things, but I've winnowed it down to eight. You're welcome. Reminds me of a story, but at my age and my vocation, everything reminds me of a story. And I might have shared this with you when I preached here last, early last year, so forgive me if I did. But I try to have my sermons done by Thursday noon. That miracle rarely happens. Usually it's Friday noon. Very rare. I'm not one of those Saturday night sermon writers though every once in a while. So about 10 years ago, it was Saturday night, 9 o'clock, before I got up from my desk and came out to the living room where my wife was reading. And I said, oh, finally done. Frankly, I think it's pretty good. It's a little bit long, though. And without looking up from her book, she said, well, it's one or the other. <laughs> So only eight. Some of them are very brief. I'm going to be very serious in parts of this sermon, but I'm also going to be intentionally humorous in parts of the sermon because we need humor. We're grieving Brennan's departure, and it's below zero. Okay, so number one. Some of the things I've learned since turning 50. The first time I saw an electronic sign with the message scrolling across outside of a church, I was kind of put out. Like, that just didn't seem right. Kind of undignified, too commercial. I've learned to love those signs. 
at Oak Grove Church, where I served from 2009 to 2019, shortly after I arrived, they installed a beautiful sign with an electronic message. And it's not listed anywhere in the Book of Order, so they let me make up them, you know, what's going to go on this sign. And I stole some of these, and some of these I made up. But let me share a few with you. We will treat you like family. Come anyway. <laughs> We are a bunch of sinners and hypocrites. We always have room for one more. <laughs> Presbyterians build bridges, not walls. It's not funny, but it was timely. Now here's one that I did make up. It was really hard for me to actually put it up on the sign, though. We even welcome Packers fans. <laughs> And you have to understand, this is how small a person I am. I truly would rather see the Packers lose than the Vikings win. There's so much scar tissue. Uh, so yeah. We actually got two families that joined because of that sign. And that was enough. And here's one I did, did steal was, Jesus had two dads, and he turned out okay. Got a couple calls from the neighbors on that one. <laughs> so, which leads to our second category. While I was pastor there, early in my time, we put up a rainbow flag out there in a very busy street. And I learned it was the best church growth tool I've ever found. In new member classes, we would ask people what first brought you or attracted you, you know, what got you through the door at Oak Grove, and about 40% of the people said the, the rainbow flag. And many of them said, we don't have any gay people in our family, but the flag shows us this is the kind of church we want to belong to. A few years later, we put up a trans flag. And soon I got an anonymous message from a neighbor that said, I pass your flag each morning on the way to work. You cannot know what that means to me. It's like a little hug to start each day. 2013, I testified at the state legislature in favor of same-sex marriage. And later that year, Minnesota approved it. And I was entirely discombobulated because I think it's the first social justice issue I've ever worked on that won. I, but golly, it felt good. Hoping for some more of those. Early on Easter Sunday of 2019, I'm preparing for worship. And I've been, and I was told that there were two anti-gay demonstrators out in our next door parking lot, along the busy street, with these ginormous four by six foot signs with verses condemning homosexuality. And my first thought was, "Oh, why today? You know, why Easter?" So I went out, 
and talk to them. Tried to engage them in conversation and, and I started to give them some alternative perspectives on these particular Bible verses. And because of my dazzling, exegetic eloquence, they said, oh, now we get it, sorry, and left. Well, maybe not so much. So while I'm having this conversation, suddenly become aware of this giant shadow. Giant shadow. It was Frank, one of our members. Frank Bliss, perfectly named. Frank, 40 years ago, had been a Big Ten offensive lineman. Now he's about 6'5", 350. Frank and his wife, Bev, have nine children. One birth kid, followed by eight adopted special kids of every race. Frank and Bev take Jesus seriously, which has led the staff of those of us at Oak Grove, not to their faces, but behind their backs. We called them Jesus and Mrs. Jesus. So this shadow appears. It's Frank. He's got hands the size of hams. When I would shake his hand, I felt like a three-year-old. So here comes Frank. Big smile on his broad face. And in one ginormous hand, he's got two cups of coffee. In the other hand, he has six muffins. <laughs> he says, good morning, gentlemen. Have some breakfast. I hope you will come in and worship with us. I learned. Third, for decades, I enjoyed visiting my parishioners in nursing homes. I enjoyed my parishioners, didn't enjoy so much the nursing home experience. And I admit that I would visit with them and then flee to my car. And then, after decades of parish ministry, God changed me, called me to be a chaplain in a nursing home, which I could never have imagined. And I loved it. And I think it was the most important work I've done. Never say never. God's got surprises. Four. Before I became a chaplain, I believed in resurrection to new life. During my seven years of chaplaincy, I was privileged to accompany several hundred people on their transition from this life to more life. Wow. I really believe in resurrection now. You know, we can argue theology, but these are experiences. Number five, big shift. I used to be totally turned off by church endowment funds. 
It seemed like they were unethical for a church to hoard a bunch of money when there are so many immediate needs in the world. But the folks at Oak Grove on the finance committee, they're like the finance committee here. I mean, I've been so privileged to serve two churches where members of the finance committee go, this budget is not good because there's not enough for mission. You don't get that in many church finance committees, <laughs> let me tell you. The folks at Oak Grove on that finance committee changed my mind about endowment funds, about the value of them to help congregations get over temporary bumps in the road. I'm a believer now. This past week, I had lunch with one of my current parishioners in the Stillwater Church. And I wasn't there to ask him you know, for money. We were talking about the trip he'd just taken to Africa, doing some mission work there, solar power stuff. But he did mention to me that he and his wife had recently made their estate plans. They have two children in their 40s, both doing fine financially. They don't need money. So their estate plan is to give each of their children 10% of their estate, and the rest is going to the church to continue the legacy that they've been forging over decades, to keep that legacy going. I encourage you to follow suit. And I worked for a while in development for Presbyterian Homes, so I know all of the different ways that people can give aside from regular yearly pledge. So I'd be happy to chat with you about that if you're so moved. Six, I thought I was reasonably well-educated in the area of racism. Anybody else feel that way 10 years ago? <laughs> have we learned a thing or two? You know, and many of us have read books that have been eye-openers. I was so privileged that for the school year 2015-2016, at Oak Grove, we hired an interim associate pastor, 36-year-old black man named Jermaine Ross Allum, brilliant uh, scholar. And spending nine months with Jermaine, I learned so much to discuss the news with him and hear it from his perspective. Wow. You know, it's a case of you didn't know what you didn't know. Not that it matters, shouldn't matter, but Jermaine was always very well-dressed. He drove an old, not crappy, but an old blue Toyota pickup, little one. Couldn't be more innocuous. He never violated a traffic law. And he told me that he got stopped by the police an average of seven times a year. And every time, he feared for his life. Early in the pandemic, like you, I was home a lot. 
and the libraries were closed. That put a crimp in my usual life. And so I started frequenting the little free library down at the end of the street. And I came across a book there, which was not a new book, and many of you know it. It was new to me. Neither Wolf Nor Dog by Kent Nurbert. The uh, subtitle is On Forgotten Roads with an Indian Elder. I thought I knew about indigenous people. <laughs> wow. I read it twice. Really changed, changed my understanding so much. I recommend it. Seven, another book I read a few years ago was Bill Bryson's wonderful work, A, Brief, a Short History of Nearly Everything. Anybody read that? Short History of Nearly Everything. And I don't know any history. Like the song, don't know much about history. Um, and I thought, well, this would be interesting. And the first part of it is about the creation of the world and the beginning of life. And it was fascinating, and it was, and it was humorous. Bill Bryson is a you know, tremendous author. But I learned so much. I don't believe he ever mentions God. When he talks about the creation, when he talks about, leave that word out, the beginning of life, and explains the math you can't come to any other conclusion other than a creator. The math doesn't work. It takes way too much faith to say this is a coincidence. It was really inspiring. It's another book I read twice. And finally, I promise to share what I learned about pet ownership. How many of you have a pet? Okay. How many cats, dogs, iguanas, Sandy, okay, uh, rats, what else you got, anything else? All right. A bird, all right. So I used to have tropical fish, they were quiet. Um, when my kids got to a certain age, about 15 years ago, they started clamoring for a dog, which happens in every family. And of course, they promised they would do all the work. <laughs> you know, I wasn't born yesterday. Uh, I knew who was going to be out there with the poop bag, and uh, I, didn't, I didn't need any more jobs around the house. And I said, no, we're not getting a dog. But Dad. Well, the real kicker was that the boss of the house also wanted a dog. <laughs> so I tried. I argued. I said, it. it so expensive. It's so much work. And I don't want any more work. And really, if a dog comes into this house, I'm leaving. <laughs> and they said, we'll miss you, Dad. <laughs> so we got a dog. We want our second dog now. It's the one creature that invariably is happy to see me come home even if I've only been to the mailbox. <laughs> you know, those of you who know, you know, it's wonderful. So a few years ago, I came across this. Uh, it's a children's book, and it's also a video. We're going to show you the video. Uh, the sound isn't very good, but it has all the words. 
So we'll end with this. It's called Dog and God by Wendy J. Francisco. I look up and I see God. I look down and see my dog. Simple spelling, G-O-D. Same word backwards, D-O-G. They would stay with me all day. I'm the one who walks away. But both of them just wait for me and dance at my return with glee. Both love me no matter what. Divine God and canine mutt. I take it hard each time I fail, but God forgives. Dog wags his tail. God thought up and made the dog. Dog reflects a part of God. I've seen love from both sides now. It's everywhere. Amen. Bow wow. I look up and I see God. I look down and see my dog, and in my human frailty, I can't match their love for me. As a church located on Lakota land in Minnetonka, Minnesota, St. Luke is a joyful, inclusive, intergenerational, and compassionate community on a spiritual journey seeking to do justice, make peace, and to walk humbly with God. We invite you to join us live for virtual worship each Sunday morning on Facebook or YouTube, or by following the worship links on our website, stluke.mn. Thanks for listening. May you go in peace.